Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the 522nd edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you the American perspective of our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments. Get your daily reading from me and other writers over at jerseysportingnews.com to talk about anything in New Jersey sports, including the New York Red Bulls, New York Red Bulls 2, as well as Gotham, New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC. Chat room is open. Come on in. Discuss amongst yourselves if you like. If you have a question for me, I'll try to answer it to the best of my abilities. Now, we will be talking about tonight's uh, show, the CONCACAF Champions League second leg semifinal uh, with Matt Ralph on a recorded interview. Originally, he was supposed to be able to join me tonight. Unfortunately, he will not uh, due to uh, an event that he was already uh, uh, giving uh, a prior commitment to, so that's fine. Um, so we're going to play that for you uh, tonight at 8.15 Eastern. And then we're going to talk about the Open Cup round one qualifying level. So it's going to be interesting to talk about uh, that, uh, what's been probably one of the more strangest qualifying rounds I have ever seen in my life. But, you know, this is how it goes sometimes. So we'll just have to wait until we get to next month, and then we'll find out the scheduling for that, and then we'll announce it to you on the next show when uh, we get to the second round of qualifying for the U.S. Open Cup. I don't care what they posted on the website of U.S. Soccer. To me, this is round one qualifying. If it's on the weekend of the 18th and the 19th, then it's round one of Open Cup qualifying. But here's something that I want to talk about that has been bothering me since the second leg of the semifinal at Subaru Park. First things first, um, it's great to see Subaru Park filled with people attending the match for a CONCACAF Champions League semifinal game. Happy for the Union, happy for the Confederation, and happy for both MLS and League MX because it was a nicely filled uh, Subaru Park. So hopefully, as this tournament gets better and better and better, we'll have to wait and see what's going to happen. Also, uh, just to pass along some information, tomorrow at 4 o'clock, CONCACAF is going to announce, uh, which we've already talked about here, but this will be the official announcement for CONCACAF to expand the Champions League from just a knockout tournament now adding, which I believe it will be a group stage for the Champions League starting in the 2023 season. So next year will be regular. The fall of 2023, uh, or should I say the spring of 2023, will still be regular. And then we're going to get to the brand new uh, expanded CONCACAF Champions League and I personally cannot wait for that. And it's about time we bring back the group stage. And uh, look, 
I've said for a long, long time, it's great as great as the CONCACAF Champions League has been and as wonderful as our clubs have been stepping it up. And yes, I know it's been problems that MLS has not won the title either through U.S. or Canada. Still, though, this confederation continues to get stronger, bigger, and better. So why not extend it and bring back a group stage regardless we're seeing clubs getting an opportunity now, not just in MLS, not Liga, just Liga MX. Also, with the CONCACAF League becoming a better tournament for this, uh, you know, for entrance to the Champions League, as well as newer teams qualifying, as well as now League's Cup, now officially also leading into entrance of the Open Cup as well. I mean, excuse me, of the Champions League as well. So now everything is being tied into one big, happy confederation, and I'm happy about that now. Now, to me, League's Cup is no longer a joke because there's something more on the line than just a trophy and just uh, a cash prize at the end. It is a spot for the CONCACAF Champions League, which I've been discussed on my show with John Jagu. But we'll wait for uh, this announcement to come in at 4 o'clock Eastern, 1 o'clock Pacific. Uh, head on over to CONCACAF's website. And, of course, go to CONCACAF on Twitter, to their Twitter page, and they have everything set up for you to go into it. But besides that, besides that, I have to say that this is a situation that really bothers me during CONCACAF Champions League when it's the semifinals of the tournament. And that is when you have a MLS team facing off against a Liga MX team. And every time the first leg is at the stadium of the Mexican club side, the Liga MX club side, the first leg, the second leg of the semifinals is at the MLS stadium. And every single time I have seen a match, whether it be back in 2018 with the New York Red Bulls against Guadalajara, Chivas, or it happened... This past Wednesday night at Subaru Park by Club America, I am getting sick and tired of a Liga MX club intentionally blocking a throw-in by an MLS club. I have had enough of this. I am upset. I am I am I'm very, very angry, and I am ticked off that I have to see clubs that are respected in this confederation, that are famous in this confederation, and so far, the only nation that those clubs are doing it are, are in Mexico. I understand it's a rivalry. I understand it's a derby. I understand that the Liga MX teams want to continue to prove they are better than the MLS clubs. And to be fair, to be fair, they are better. Because they have no salary cap. 
they have no single entity, pay as many players as they want. Yes, they're developing good players, strong players from every club's academy. And yes, they are allowing those who are Mexican descent living in the United States an opportunity to play for those clubs or play for their national team in Mexico. I understand all this. It's okay. I completely understand. But I'm getting sick and tired of seeing the blatant disregard for the laws of the game and the respect and the fairness of the game, the spirit of the game, that continues to be treated like garbage by these historical great clubs in Mexico. I understand that we are having a derby. I understand all that. I understand, and I do hope, finally, an MLS side, whether it be American or Canadian, will be able to go out there and win the CONCACAF Champions League. Last year, LAFC almost had that opportunity, and sadly, they fell after taking an early lead in the second half. But I am sick and tired of this blatant disrespect. And it happened again in the second half of the semifinals in the second leg at Subaru Park. As soon as the ball rolled over across the near side touchline and the Philadelphia Union are trying to grab the ball and throw it back into play, you saw a yellow kit, a player in a yellow kit running parallel to the near side touchline and leaping up in the air to a block a potential throw-in. I don't care if he did not interfere with the ball, nor did he interfere with the throw-in. That play deserves a yellow card. And I'm asking CONCACAF to have the means and to have the chutzpah to intentionally, whether it is intentionally blocked or not, whether there was contact or not, I want them to immediately inform the referee or give power to the fourth official if he sees it. If the assistant referees see it to contact the referee themselves i even want this by var i want var to add this if there is any form of review if var sees any player regardless of what club they play for from MLS, Canadian Premier League, Liga MX, the top divisions of, cent- of any Central American nation or any Caribbean nation, any player seen running at the opposition player who is attempting to throw the ball back into play and tries to block the throw-in, automatically give a yellow card. 
whether they make contact or not. Give out the yellow card because this is getting ridiculous. I saw what Guadalajara did to the Red Bulls at Red Bull Arena in the second leg of the semifinals of the Champions League, and that happened again against the Philadelphia Union in the second leg semifinals of this edition of the Champions League. I am getting sick and tired of having to see shenanigans like this make a mockery of the CONCACAF Champions League, and I need to have CONCACAF lend me their ears. This never happens with an MLS squad. This never happens in the UEFA Champions League. This never happens in the Copa Libertadores or the Copa Sudamericana in Conmebol or in the African Champions League in CAF or the Asian Champions League in AFC. You've never, ever see that happen anywhere else in world football. It's always in CONCACAF when it's MLS versus Liga MX, and it's always at the stadium where the MLS club is hosting that, seven, that sec, uh, second leg in the semifinals. It's always been like this for the last three, for the last two times this has happened. If you want to count three for last year because of the shenanigans under Miguel Herrera that soiled that match in the first half, when you wanted a hotly hard-fought contested match and the baiting, the baiting of Miguel Herrera's tactics of getting players on LAFC sent off because they intentionally leaned over to start something so they can get whacked in the face. Memo Ochoa doesn't do that stuff anymore. That's because Miguel Herrera is not the head coach of Club America anymore. And that's where I, I, I say this, that I hope Tigris doesn't pull this crap off under Herrera because then they become just as bad under Herrera, unlike what Ferretti did when he finally won his Champions League title last year. Tuca Ferretti has more respect in his body than Miguel Herrera does in his head. At least I can respect Tuca Ferretti in Liga MX. This is what I want to see. And if CONCACAF, I understand you will try and go by the laws of the game, but still, though, I, it has to be removed. It has to be added on to the laws of the game. If there's an intentional blockage of a throw-in, either intentional or not, either making contact with the ball or not, regardless, make that an automatic yellow card. And then... If there's another one, then you know what? Keep adding yellows. But if it's going to be continuing, then you know what then? After the third attempt, red card them and send them away and put that club down the 10 men intentionally because that is against the spirit of the game and against the laws of the game, and it makes that tournament a mockery. Can't take it anymore. I'm sick and tired of it. I've had enough of it. And this has to end now. It has to end now. 
Stop faking out or stop trying to intentionally block throw-ins. Don't run after the guy. Don't run, run. Don't even run up at the guy who's throwing it back into the into play. Don't pretend you're going to throw it back. You know you're going to block the throw-in. Don't do it. You want to be respected. You want us to earn. You want us to have your respect. You want us to give you respect. You know what? You have my respect, but you lose it when you play these BS games. I'm sick and tired of it. Stop running up to an MLS club's opposition or the player that's going to throw it back in representing that MLS club that's going to throw it back in. Do not block the throw-in. I want an automatic yellow card for that. Write it up. I will gladly write the damn thing up on what should happen, and I will email it to CONCACAF. And if they're not going to do it, then FIFA needs to be mentioned and FIFA needs to be informed because it's getting ridiculous. I have had enough of it. It's ridiculous and stupid. I'm sick of it. Absolutely sick of it. You're going to get your respect, but don't put, make yourselves into a mockery. And that is to the Liga MX Mexican clubs that continue to perform in the CONCACAF Champions League when you get to the semifinals. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get to the recorded interview. And here is Matt Ralph from the Brotherly Game of SB Nation covering the Philadelphia Union as we're going to talk about, of course, the second leg semifinal loss. Two goals to nil in the second leg, four nil in aggregate. Matt Ralph, the brotherly, excuse me, the Brotherly Game from SB Nation. Daniel Feuerstein here. Welcome back to the American Soccer Show as we talk about that CONCACAF Champions League semifinal second leg matchup between the Philadelphia Union and Club America. And that was over at Subaru Park in Chester. Joining me from the Brotherly Game website covering the Philadelphia Union, Matt Ralph joins me tonight. Matt, good evening and how are you? Good good to talk to you as always, Daniel. It's always great to have you on there, Matt. Um, Obviously, another tough pill to swallow, a uh, 2-0 loss by the Union against Club America, of course, leading on aggregate 2-0 at the time, and unfortunately, it just went against you a little too late after 75 minutes. Uh, There were some chances, but unfortunately, Club America were able to get those two extra goals, two away goals, didn't really matter, 4-0 on aggregate, and... Uh, MLS stalls in the semifinals once again. Yep, that's uh, that's that's a, that's a thing that's happened uh, quite a bit before as well. It really is. Now, you know, looking at the match, I mean, obviously, I thought the Union looked really strong. I thought the Union really tried to get back into the matchup as much as they could. I thought they had some solid chances in the opening half. Obviously, a couple of yellow cards here and there really kind of dampered things. But when you were going into halftime, I mean, you felt they still had a very good chance to pull one back at least. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the biggest turn scoreless, you know, you felt, okay, this is this is still 
within reach because once once America scores a goal against the score, so you know, it, it, you know, they were a little bit. I, I mean, I hope maybe they come out a little bit more um, aggressive than they did. Uh, but you know, I, you know, one of the difficulties in in that situation when you're down you know, in the aggregate is that Club America is just you know they they were just sitting in and and you know they were they were not. Um, they were not necessarily trying to score a goal, so uh, yeah, so it was good on the, on the sense that the Union didn't concede and, and essentially end the game in front of you know, in the home stadium. Um, not necessarily for the home crowd, but you know, it, it, you know, it's all okay. This is this is going to be because early second half come out, get a goal. You know, the the, the you know, before you can keep this game within reach, you know, the, the, the more the Possibilities, especially in Concacaf, and that's that. that, that, that there's some things can go either way, and, and find a way to get your get to extra time, or or find a way to just you know get a hand with, with a couple goals. And so, yeah, I think that I think the uh, the belief definitely grew as they continued to. They weren't playing poorly. I would say they were or their team is necessarily that they, they, they don't, you know, look, you know, like they, they might have a goal on them or two, and, and, and that was, that's really all the home, home fans could ask for, right, you know, to have a contest and not just have come back up and, you know, and then score a goal and actually end, 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 end the game and the fixture. So, so that was a good season, but positive and, it was, uh, it was just, I mean, it was incredible regardless of the result. It was just uh, pretty pretty magical to see that stadium full, to see the Union play last stage, and obviously, American fans all over the place, and it was just a real exciting atmosphere, and it's pretty good to have a chance to be there and to experience that and to see something that's never happened before in China. Yeah, even with a quirky start time at 9 o'clock on the East Coast, uh, I'm still surprised there was a good full crowd at Subaru Stadium, and that's great to see, especially in a tournament like this in the CONCACAF Champions League. Um, penalty awarded to the Union in five minutes after this restart of this matchup, and uh, unfortunately for uh, Montero, he just could not seem to convert that chance. Yeah, and I, yeah, I think, you know, Memo Ochoa does a great job there, uh, you know, to get a, to get enough of a piece of that to, to, to hit enough the bar for time to end our full work. And, you know, that, that, that's the moment. And, you know, you obviously on the, on the, the, the panel, the clear penalty, but, you know, the question is, is tough one to swallow, unfortunately. It could have at least uh, made it interesting, make it 2-1. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I,
Yeah, because you know, then you you get that penalty there. You get you get some momentum, and again, it's early in the early enough in the second half that you know you could see them grinding out a goal uh, to, to tie the game. Uh, and unfortunately, yeah, you know, penalties uh, <laughs> penalties are one of those things where you know, like Casper Shabilka hit one today for them. It's like when they when they go in, it looks so you know just routine and easy and when they get saved it just looks it's so painful you know because you're like oh well how did how did this happen how did they uh and it comes down to sometimes just you know keep her guessing the right way and, and getting enough of a hand on it to keep it out so um so yeah that was you know in the in the moment it's just like okay here we go this is on this is happening like the union are going to make this Made this interesting, and, and, and looking back now, you're like, wow, they lost four four nil on the aggregate. But I mean, the four nil I, I, is really not definitive of how much the union were in 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 this from even from when they were in uh, Azteca in the first leg, and you know, uh, Club America had some things definitely go their way, and you know, deflected deflected goal. Uh, you know, penalty and kind of stuff. So uh, you know, so it's 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 tough to look at this game and then say, man, if that goal goes in, it's two one. It's a completely different situation. Certainly, if they send a player off or a dog so it's a different situation. But it doesn't necessarily guarantee the outcome is different. It just in the end, for the Union not to get a goal in two games against Club America is really disappointing. Um, you know, it, it, it's one thing to to lose; it's another thing to get shut out twice. And you know, they had the perfect opportunity to to at least get a goal at home in that match. So that was that was disappointing uh, for sure. You know what else is kind of disappointing? And I, I want to make a mention of this because I saw this happen to the New York Red Bulls back in 2018. They were down one nil on aggregate to Guadalajara Chivas. And that goal that was scored against them was over at the Akron Stadium uh, down in Guadalajara in the first leg. And the second leg, they came back to Red Bull Arena. And then you're seeing Guadalajara players interfering with the throw-ins by the Red Bulls every single time they had the ball um, to throw, you know, to get play restarted, to throw the ball back into play. And... I've watched the match on Fox Sports 1, and I saw it in the second half happen. I don't know if it happened in the first half, but there was a play where the Union trying to throw the ball back in, and a America player leapt in the air and was attempting to block a throw-in. Now, obviously, they didn't make any contact, but that stuff has really been very upsetting to me. I understand, you know, look, the Liga MX clubs, you know, they don't have, you know, a salary cap. They don't have single entity financial structures that we have in Major League Soccer. But to see them continue to show disrespect like this, not just to the MLS clubs that they got to fight to get to this level, but disrespecting this tournament and, you know, disrespecting the laws of the game. I mean, I find it really upsetting, Matt, to see Club America players, and without a doubt, it's one of the best clubs in all of Mexico, probably one of the best clubs in this region of CONCACAF, but to continue to see the distraction or the intent intent of blocking a throw-in by a Philadelphia Union player, 
was absolutely ridiculous on my opinion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't, don't that's part of it you don't want to see. Um, you know, you certainly understand a team up you know, doing, you know, taking their time or, you know, goalkeeping yellow cards for, for, uh, for not kicking, kicking the ball uh, soon enough. But, but yeah, I mean, that, those, those kinds of things are – they can be frustrating, and also because you know a lot of times, what you know, whatever delay you cause, the game is going to be added on at the end anyway. So it's it's almost one of those things where you, know, you wonder, you know, is the idea behind that more just to frustrate <laughs> frustrate the other team and actually gain some sort of advantage? But it is frustrating knowing that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, but I just find it infuriating to see, you know, that sort of thing happen. Now, granted, there was no contact on the ball from these types of situations, but if I'm CONCACAF, I mean, you've got to make that a yellow card whether you make contact or not. I'm sorry. There has to be a yellow card issued from, from, you know, from this point on. There has to be a yellow card issued whether there's contact or not. There's intent to block a throw-in, and that is against the laws of the game, and that has to be done, period, because I'm getting sick and tired and seeing intent, intent to prevent play to continue. And if they do yep. get their hands on the ball, obviously a card will come out. But that's got to – I'm sorry. The intent yep. to do it has to be cautioned. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, unfortunately. I mean, this is one of those things where you just can't um you just can't mess around with. You just can't. You just it cannot be done. Well, anyway, um and we all know what happened obviously um over at Pat's cheesesteak place yeah. in downtown Philly. Uh thankfully it wasn't a union fan that got involved in it. It was mostly Club America fans that got involved in it. So some are from New York City, some are from Philly, I guess, or from Mexico. And you don't like to see a fight break out in the middle of a cheesesteak uh, eatery, but, uh, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, these things happen sometimes. But thankfully, it wasn't a union fan that got involved in it. But outside of that, um, look, give Curtin and the union a lot of credit. They went into this, you know, heads up. They had a good run. Unfortunately, it ends at the second leg of the uh, semifinals. And uh, what do you think the Union are going to do now? I don't know where they're positioned. I'm assuming they're not in the top spot of uh, the Eastern Conference this year. That's the New England Revolution. But are you you hoping they're going to get back into this tournament, not for next edition, but for the edition afterwards in 2023? Okay. 
a lot to ask for them to get what would be essentially the best record of a team that didn't already qualify. So the team really, yeah, yeah this, this really needs to be on, you know, making a deep final front. I think they maybe getting to the final. And, you know, like once we get there, everything can happen. But this is certainly a great experience for you and for the players to, to get out of first pace of it and for it to last, have lasted as long as it did. I, mean, I think they were, they definitely were in the drop they got and Atlanta went a mess when they did and you know, Atlanta didn't belong to the to begin with because they were you know, something in 2019, you know, two, two years ago. But, but you know, I think it made most of the situation. It, it really, Appreciate it. Uh, have a good night, and I'll talk to you soon. And that's Matt Ralph from Brotherly Game uh, of SB Nation. I apologize. I have to get my equipment uh, checked to make sure that the recording issues uh, do not have those issues again. That's my fault. I apologize, folks. But uh, once again, uh, Union fall in the second leg, two goals to nil to Club America. They lose 4-0 on aggregate, of course. Two away goals. It didn't really matter anyway. Even they got, uh, even when they got one away goal, it just got a lot worse for the Union. Had a penalty to try to convert. Montero couldn't do it, and off you go, and that's the end of that. So over the weekend, we have the uh, first round of qualifying for the 2022 U.S. Open Cup, and you know. This is a situation where you rarely see something like this happen during qualification of the Open Cup. I mean, I don't know how uh, normal you would say this has been or how you know regularly this goes on. Maybe one game, maybe barely a game, maybe two or three. I would say maybe two. Um, obviously, you know, you're used to seeing these games going into extra time or going into a round of penalties. But 
keep track of what goes on during the qualification rounds for the Open Cups, for the tournament proper. What I have seen so far has been astonishing and weird. I can't believe I've seen all this. We have had two matches postponed and six. Now, I have to recount this just to make sure I'm correct about this. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yes. Six forfeits. Six forfeits by clubs that were not able to field a team for their opening round in the U.S. Open Cup. Six forfeits and two matches that that have been postponed. Those matches are uh, in the southeast. Orlando FC Wolves hosting Deportivo Lake Mary. That got postponed. And then in the northeast, Kendall Wanderers hosting Newtown Pride. That got postponed until we get uh, updated dates uh, to get these matches rescheduled. I will let everyone know. And then, of course, the six games that were forfeited. Let's go ahead straight to the Northeast, five of them at least. Uh, Districtonia football advances to the second round of qualifying as football club forfeited. And I have the tweet here. And going on here, and this is coming actually, the tweet is coming from Districtonian Football, and this is also from John P. Moda. Now, for those of you not familiar with uh, John P. Moda, he's the president of the U.S. Adult Soccer Association, he's the chairman, coalition of franchisee associations, he's also a board member of U.S. Soccer. So don't go yelling at him because he's supposed to be one of the good guys out there that's trying to make sure change gets done. This is the match where DC Cheddar advanced into the second round, played, and defeated uh, Corinto by a final of five goals to one. And here is the situation. The referee crew did not allow five Corinto players who arrived late to play, stating they did not check in on the roster before the game started. Um, I don't know who this is, A-N-F-E-E-U. I don't know who that is. Or maybe that's the ownership of the group of the club called Cornito. Corinto. Uh, wants to file an appeal. Commissioner for the game was not on site. Referee crew had to text him to confirm. Now, let me say this, and I don't know if uh, uh, Corinto's appeal will be uh, allowed because the truth is that is their own fault for having five players arriving late who did not check in. Everybody has to know when to get to the location of the field. Everyone has to understand that, look, there's, there's a time schedule. You know, this match starts at a certain time. 
time. If you can't get to the field the normal way, then you've got to find an alternate way to get there. And at the same time, those players probably should have carpooled or left earlier from whether they were visiting family, visiting friends, they were staying in their own apartments or their own houses, whatever it was. Don't leave an hour early. Don't leave two hours early. Leave at least between three to four hours earlier so that, A, you can, you know, make sure you get to the field. B, relax. C, if there's a place nearby to get a meal before you're able to play or at least to grab a Gatorade before you play, do that. But... I am very disappointed that a match commissioner for that game was not on site, and he should have been. He or she should have been on site for this match. So whether or not the appeal does go through, don't know. I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see and get confirmation from that one from U.S. Soccer or from the Cup.us. It is very, very hard and very difficult to see that happening. But once again, as they say in the business, two wrongs don't make a right. And in reality, Corinto, you had five players arrived late and you did not check in. That is not on the officiating crew, but... But the match commissioner should have been there, period. He or she should have been there representing the Open Cup Committee, representing the Federation to observe and watch the match and make sure everything was on the up and up. Texting through the cell phone. That's a no-no. We are trying to make this tournament legitimate. We are trying to make this tournament legitimate, and not having a match commissioner there is wrong, and it's terrible. But like I said already, Corinto, in my opinion, two wrongs don't make a right. You did not have five players checking in, even though they arrived late to play the game. But we'll see what happens if this appeal does get uh, rewarded or accepted. We'll have to wait and see for that one. The other matches that were forfeited, uh, EFA Metro forfeited, so Jackson Lions advance into the second round. Uh, FC Maritza, they advance to the second round through Lexington Landsharks forfeit. The New York Pan-Cyprian Freedoms, they advance into the second round as New Amsterdam 2 of Nyssa forfeits. And I find that very, very interesting. New Amsterdam, a Nyssa club, you know, the main club is in Division 3. You would like to think that they have players that are available for their two team to go and be in the Open Cup and qualifying matches, but I guess not. 
And then, of course, we have in the uh, central region, we have uh, D. Fetters Kicker Kicks SC advancing to the second round. Lone Star Republic, they're the ones that forfeited, so they are done and they move on. Now we get to the other situation, of course, and to me it's a little surprising. And I'm upset and sad because to me, the Agen Hawks, a, a perennial U.S. Open Cup qualified team in the Washington, D.C., Northern Virginia area, the D.C., Virginia metro area, always qualifies for the Open Cup. They have not qualified in recent years, obviously. Um, and unfortunately, unfortunately, they had to forfeit their match against Lynchburg FC. So Lynchburg FC advances to the second round. And I feel bad for everyone that supports Agen Hawks. I respect them completely. They're one of the top amateur clubs that qualifies for the Open Cup. Trying to get them to qualify for the Open Cup or at least as much as possible and not have them qualify at all is absolutely terrible. And, you know, what can you say? And it's terrible. And I don't know. And, you know, contacting Agen Hawks, uh, I said to them what happened. And they said, couldn't feel the team, various injuries, and the ability to replace players hurt us. And they tweeted that to me um, yesterday on Sunday, September the 19th. Um, it's, it's, it's hard. It's difficult. I understand. And it's a situation where you feel horrible for them. You feel horrible for them because they cannot qualify for the Open Cup. They are, as I've said already, one of the most, in the modern era, involving themselves every single year in the U.S. Open Cup. Qualifying for the Open Cup, playing in the Open Cup, they are the ones that always finds a way to go out and try to do as much damage as they can. Unfortunately, they've moved, you know, they uh, have a lim- you know, they forfeited. And it's a shame that it's happened to them. And hopefully uh the uh, Open Cup committee will take a look at the this particular issue and they'll fix it. It's terrible. Absolutely terrible. It's just it's just difficult not to see the Agen Hawks uh, representing the D.C. Virginia metro area and uh, doing some damage. But sadly, the show must go on. 
and we'll have to wait and see moving forward. Um, once again, here are the scores from the rest of the field in the uh, opening round of U.S. Open Cup qualifying in the first round. Um, City Soccer FC defeating Miami Sun FC by final three goals to two. <clears throat> That's the southeast region in the west region. FC Davis in extra time defeating Davis Legacy SC 4-3. And congratulations, Rebels Soccer Club. You get yourself a 7-up, 7-0 over Gremio FC of San Diego. Philadelphia Lone Star FC destroying Philadelphia Ukraine Nationals, a former Open Cup four-time Open Cup champion in the Ukraine Nationals of Philadelphia, and that was a nine goals to two destruction by the Philadelphia Lone Star. Um, IASC Boom, the Rochester Boom, they defeat Pittsburgh City United FC four goals to nil. What a match this was over in Rockville Center, Long Island. Oyster Bay United and the New York Greek Americans, a three-time Open Cup champion, New York Greek Americans. <clears throat> scoreless match from regulation into extra time. It went to penalties, and it would be the hometown side of Oyster Bay defeating the New York Greek Americans on penalty kicks. Three goals to two in the regulation five rounds. As I've said already, D.C. Cheddar defeating Corinto 5-1 after that little situation. Nova FC or Northern Virginia FC defeating Springfield FC two goals to nil. On the road, Verengong Erzgeberg defeating United German Hungarians two goals to one. Rockville Soccer Club defeating CA United in extra time two goals to one. Westchester United down two goals to nil to the New Jersey Alliance over in Clifton, New Jersey. And then they come back out of nowhere, and they scored five unanswered in Clifton to make it 5-2 winners advancing to the next round. Virginia United defeating Toros FC four goals to two in extra time. And then it was Brockton FC defeating U-Nations FC five goals to three in the Northeast opening round. And then the central region, the scores there, FC Denver and Peak 11 FC, scoreless through regulation and extra time. And in penalties, Peak 11 defeating FC Denver by a final of four goals to three. Southwest Football Club shellacking San Antonio runners, six goals to one. Harpo's FC perennial open cup amateur club in the Colorado area defeating FC Union Jerez one goal to nil Colorado Rovers defeating athletic club of Sloan's Lake two goals to one the Azteca FC defeating the Colorado Rush four goals to one and in extra time athletic Katie FC defeating the Houston Hotshots Greenpoint Three goals to one. And finally, Boulder United hosting GAM United FC. It's GAM three, Boulder United nil. So now, with the clubs 
in the southeast region and in the west region who earned buys in this opening round of Open Cup qualifying. Those clubs now will be performing in the second round of qualifying in October. They are going to be out there now performing as they're going to take on these winners. Now, once again, as I've already said, two matches postponed, uh, and that's going to be Orlando FC Wolves hosting Deportivo Lake Mary. And then, of course, Kendall Wanderers uh, hosting Newtown Pride FC. That match has also been postponed, and it's going to be uh, made up uh, when we get that date. We'll let you know. I'm going to check on U.S. Soccer's website right now for that. So we'll have to wait and see uh, what's going to happen there. But once again, this is the situation with the Open Cup. And once again, those clubs earned the buy in this opening round of Open Cup qualifying from the Southeast, 10 clubs from Florida, and those clubs are the Florida Brothers, <clears throat> excuse me, Florida Soccer Soldiers, Hurricane FC, International Soccer Association, Miami Beach Club de Football, Miami Soccer Academy, Naples City FC, Ocean Way FC, Palm Beach Breakers, and the Red Force FC. Three clubs from Georgia. That is Atletico Atlanta, Georgia Revolution FC Reserves, and then the Georgia Storm FC, and from South Carolina, United Heat. So that's going to be interesting to see. The clubs that have been given buys out of the West, 20 clubs coming out of California. And those clubs are Capistrano FC, Chula Vista FC, Contra Costa FC, Desert Communities SC Pathfinders, El Farolito, Escondido FC, Inter San Francisco, JASA RWC, the LA Monsters, FC, Metro FC, Modesto City Football Club, the Oakland Stompers, Outbreak FC, Real San Diego, excuse me, Real San Jose, Real Sociedad Royals, Rose City FC, San Fernando Valley FC, Sporting ID 11, Trojans FC, White Tigers FC, and then the final two earning the bye into the second round, representing the state of Nevada, Battleborn FC, and Villarreal Las Vegas. So those are the clubs that have earned the bye into the second round of qualification. Once we get the schedule out for the second round, we will inform everyone of those matches that are going to be played after that second round draw. And once again, we are also going to need 
that one match in the southeast and the one match in the northeast that was postponed to be played. So we're waiting for brand new dates for those weekends, or at least maybe midweek. We'll find out when it does happen from U.S. Soccer, from the Open Cup Committee, when those games are going to get played. Tough to see two matches postponed. It's even tougher to see those matches that were forfeited by the clubs that just could not perform it and could not do anything at all. It's really, really difficult to see that happen. And once again, it's frustrating. Very, very frustrating. And once again, you know, with the COVID situation, the coronavirus still being out there, the different variants that are mutating out there, obviously. Um, tough to discuss. But once again, it's a situation where we have to be extra careful now of where we go, how we get there, and what we need to do to make sure we prevent ourselves from catching the coronavirus. Um, so hopefully everything will be just fine. And once U.S. soccer informs us of the uh, rescheduled matches that are remaining in the opening round of qualifying, and then we'll get to those second round matches for qualifying for the 2022 Open Cup, we will let you know here on the 40 Seams Fire American Soccer Show. Don't forget the cup.us We'll have news as well. Josh Hakala and his uh, team will be uh, making sure they get all that information down as well on their website at thecup.us. Don't forget thecup.us, not just this show, but thecup.us for all your Open Cup information uh, that you can get from them, period. And we will see what will happen here. Uh, moving forward as we continue to push on into the Open Cup uh, qualifying stages for the second round. So we'll have to wait and see what's going to happen there. So as we continue on here now, uh, a quick mention real quick. I would like to send my condolences over to Eric Winalda. Um, Sadly for him, not only did he lose his mother, uh, to COVID. He also lost his brother to COVID. And I just want to say to Eric Winald, of course, U.S. men's national team, uh, former U.S. men's national team uh, striker and Hall of Famer, uh, Eric, my condolences to you and your family for the loss of your mother and the loss of your brother through coronavirus. Um, I'm very sorry this has happened. Um, and uh, hopefully um, may they rest in peace and may you get stronger uh, through this ordeal, uh, very very sorry to uh, talk to you about to, to hear about that. I should say, but as always, Eric, if you need to talk to me, I'm here for you. If you need to contact me, you know where to reach me. Um, now we go into the Red Bulls segment. It was a loss and a uh, win on the road. A loss and a win on the road for the New York Red Bulls as they fell 
in Columbus, but they get a 4-0 win, 4-0 win on the road in Miami. And so amazing to see what happened between these two games. And once again, ladies and gentlemen, if you're a Red Bulls supporter or everyone watching the New York Red Bulls, is a young team. It is a young team. They're learning. They're trying to make sure that they get the game plan down. They're trying to do the pressing. And all you can do is just take the bumps and the bruises on a season like this. But it looks like they finally got everything done the proper way. It looks like everything has been taken care of the proper way. And all you can say is, is this. It is absolutely fantastic to see them finally breaking out of this jinx. And not just breaking out of the jinx and getting three points, but to score more than two goals in this match against Inter-Miami was unbelievable. Four goals. Patrick Lamala in these last two games has scored in consecutive matches. Leads the club with six goals. Fabio getting two goals in this one. To... And getting five himself. And then, of course, Omir Fernandez heading in a bouncing ball that no one on the defensive line touched. Great job by him. He's, I think he's finally to round into form. I think he's finally learning what his role is going to be as an attacking player in the midfield. Just absolutely fantastic from him. And all you can really say is, is that this team, you could see them either, you know, trying to bend but not break. And at the same time, communication was not there. Individually, the club is talented with these good players. They're talented. But as a club, as a team... As a team, they were not together yet. Not together yet. So this is where I believe they have an opportunity now to start piling up some wins if they continue to play the way they did down in Fort Lauderdale at Dry Pink Stadium at Lockhart. If they're going to go out and start adding some victories. They didn't move up much. I think they barely moved at all. But once again, this New York Red Bulls team does have talented players. It's easy to lash out and be frustrated and say, no, they don't, when in fact they do. Patrick Lamala so far is starting to get the balls delivered to his feet at the right time. 
No communication, no miscommunication whatsoever in the game against Inter Miami. They were on the front foot. Set pieces galore, crosses galore, excellent through balls, excellent passes, and a little bit of luck. Watched a bouncing ball avoid three defenders and Omir Fernandez running in with a header and making it 2 0 then. This is what we've been waiting for. And if they don't make the playoffs this year, to me, it's tough to swallow, but you know what? It's not a loss because it's not about what they do this year. It's about what's going to be the future of this club. You know, I have to say this. Florian Velo, who is no longer on the New York Rebels, Traded to FC Cincinnati. You know, he was asked about the situation with the Red Bulls. uh, With the Cincinnati media. And, you know, I don't want to be the one to say, you know, uh, boo Chris Armas because I will never boo Chris. Chris is a good man. Chris Armis is really uh, a good man. He's just wasn't ready to become a head coach because he wanted to do things his way. Basically, you know, it says here, and this is coming from Tom T. Posting Doss, and his Twitter account is at Tom T. Posting Doss, D-O-S, at the end. Florian Velo all but confirming what many suspected. Armas had never had any belief of investment in Ralph Ball or any of the project his friend had been building for four years. By moving away from it, Armas mortally wounded the club and is still and it still has not fully recovered. Because I think Chris Armas wanted to do things his own way. I think he wanted to do things his own way. And you know what? Let me say this, and and, and I want to be fair here. I try to be as fair as possible as I can be with Chris Armas. You know what it is? I'll tell you what it is. Chris Armas wanted to graduate the club and move them away from basically the press. He wanted to be probably a little bit more possession. But, you know, if you're going to be doing this, you got to make sure that everyone was all in. And that started in 2019, not towards the end of 2018. In 2018, Chris kept things the way they were. And that's why the Rebels were able to advance deep into the playoffs and unfortunately could not do it in the, in the conference finals against Atlanta United, could not get that tying goal, which they did, but because the VAR got it removed. I don't know how that got removed, but that's, it's a long time ago now. Atlanta United already won the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, I mean, uh, excuse me, they won the MLS Cup that year. Going away from what was working to try to implement something different, it was not going to work. It was not going to work. And then, fortunately, that was his downfall for both here and at Toronto. Like I said, 
I like Chris Armas a lot. I will never forget the kindness he showed to my mother and me and to my family after the death of my father two, over two years ago. I will never forget that. I will never speak badly about him. I will never trash him. I will never, ever go against him at all. But I will say this. If he goes back to becoming an assistant coach, and then somewhere down the line, maybe becomes a head coach in USL, either in championship or league one, that's not affiliated with an MLS team, then by all means, off you go. Give it a shot. Give him a chance. He has to learn from this situation. And with Struber, at least he's trying to bring back the press, maybe a hybrid form of a press. But you know what? At least Gerhard Struber's trying to bring back the problems that were started by Chris. And I wish Chris Armas and his family all the luck in the world because he's still a good man, whether you liked him or not, whether you didn't believe in his philosophies or not. I will always say this about Chris Armas. He is a good man. He deserves to be respected. He deserves to be um, listened to. But he just has to just take a break and step aside from coaching for a bit. And then, then, he will be able to go out and do it again, and hopefully he'll be successful the next time around. For him to be hired by Toronto at the start of this season or in the, during this off season, I thought it was a bad move by Toronto to pick him up. I thought it was a bad move by Chris to take the job. But I, I rooted for him anyway because I like him. Because you can tell he cares. It's just his philosophy was not strong enough. That's the problem. And that's all you can say about Chris Armas right there. But I am happy. And hopefully with these next two matches coming up, and that's the Hudson River Derby, hopefully, hopefully, Gerhard Struber and his New York Rebels We'll be heading over to Red Bull Arena this coming Wednesday night and then this coming Saturday night at Yankee Stadium to take on New York City FC and let's see what happens moving forward. Should be a lot of fun. Should be exciting. And we'll have to wait and see what it will be when we get there. Other than that, October is almost here. World Cup qualifying is almost here for the next window to get to Qatar. Home matches against Jamaica in Austin, Texas at the Q2, on the road at Panama, and then back at home in Columbus, Ohio, against Costa Rica at the Lower Dotcom Field, downtown Columbus. This, my friends, 
is what we've been waiting for. This, my friends, is the exciting time to make sure everything taken care of as soon as possible. Everything on the line. And once again, Greg Berhalter cannot tinker with his lineup. Is if we're going to get another first half like that in Honduras, and then he's going to be forced to make those subs at halftime to start the second half and then have the four-goal explosion, well then, that can't save him anymore. The minimum, at least in the two home matches, is six points. Whatever happens in Panama, it happens. But the minimum is six points. Jamaica is in deep trouble. Costa Rica is in deep trouble. Panama is very dangerous. And you've got to be careful when you're down at the National Stadium against Panama. You cannot take them for granted. You cannot take them lightly at all. I want to thank my guest tonight. I apologize once again for the recording uh, device not working tonight with uh, Matt Ralph of Brotherly Game covering the Philadelphia Union. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Join me next week for more exciting American soccer conversations as we get ready to delve into another big, big MLS action over the week and the weekend. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you for listening to me tonight. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Have a good night. Take care. So long. And bye-bye for now. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.